This is a Holy Baptist Church podcast, bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome, lives are changing, and Jesus is King. Thanks for listening with us today. We would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us. But for now, we pray you enjoy listening for what God has in store for you in this episode, and that it helps change your life for the better in Jesus' name. Enjoy. Well, good morning and welcome to Holy Baptist Church Online. Great to have you uh, with us, whether you're here live uh, Sunday morning or catching up on YouTube or a podcast. Um, my name's Neil. And I'm Sue, and we're your hosts this morning. So, welcome. great to have you uh, with us. Um, coming up, we have uh, number six in our The 90 series. Oh, right, okay. So the 90 is 90 days, so January, February, March, basically, is another way of putting it. It could be the three series. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> three months. And we can spend three months looking at the life and ministry of Jesus. And today we're up to number six. six. Yes. And um, Jesus and the Outcasts, I think, isn't it? That's it, Jesus and the Outcasts. And I, I guess the... Um, um, is this for you? Well, I think the answer is definitely is. Mm-hmm. I think the theme of the morning is that Jesus is for everyone. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of background, culture, yeah. anything. Age. Everything. Yeah, age. Yes. Yeah, whatever. So, um, yeah, we do hope you uh, stay with us, you you enjoy it and um, and get something from it. Okay, let's just watch um, a sermon intro um, yeah. now. In just three years, Jesus changed the world. He transformed the way we think about religion and created a space where everyone was welcome. In the first 90 days of 2024, we are going to look at those three years, following Jesus through his most significant events, conversations and encounters. So, as we journey towards Easter, let's create space to not only learn about the historical Jesus, but also meet the risen Jesus. Well, good morning. Morning to you in the room. Morning to those of you online who are watching. You are all very welcome. It's great to have you with us. I want you to imagine the scenario. It's one that maybe you've faced recently. Maybe it's one you have to think back to some time ago. But you've, you've gone to the dinner hall and you're with your tray, it might be at school, it might be at a conference, it might be at work, and you're there with your dinner tray, and you're looking at the tables, and the people people seated there, and you're thinking, where am I going to sit? Where am I going to take my tray and sit? Because that table there, I want to sit with them, but the table's full. They're the cool people, they'd be interesting to talk to. And that table there, they've got space, but I don't really want to sit next to that person, because they're a bit boring. And I want to have a little bit, you know, an interesting lunchtime. Would it be too rude for me to go and start another table when there's space on that table? Because there's some people behind me that I wouldn't mind sitting with. But if I sit there, I can't sit with them. Have you, is this just me? Or do you have that problem? Where, where, who am I going to sit with? 
Because the reality is there's some people that we maybe would like to spend time with more than others. There's some people who are perhaps more our kind of people. And we see this in all walks of life. You see it in school with friendship groups. I'm guessing at work as well you have friendship groups. Some people you get on better with than others. Some people you would like to go out for a meal with and some people you hope you don't see until you have to come back to work the following day. It's natural for us to form groups. It's natural for us to form cliques, those close-knit and exclusive groups that regardless of our age or walk in life, those are the groups that we uh, create. Because the reality is we surround ourselves with people who like us and we surround ourselves with people who are like us. It's completely normal completely natural and therefore to be expected. In some, some very clever people call it our moral circle, the moral circle. And we have that question, who is in our circle? It might be our family, it could be down to gender, ethnicity, class, our morality, our religion, our sexuality. We have people who are in our circle and we have people who are outside our circle. People who are like us, and people who are not like us, people we like to spend time with, and people we'd rather not spend time with. Who is in your moral circle? Let me just show an illustration that maybe starts to demonstrate how this might be a bit of a problem, and it affects the way we treat other people. Has anyone in here ever been a waiter or a waitress? A few people. Oh, Patsy. So you, so you used to be a, wa a waitress. What was it in? A little cafe in Smithfield. So let's imagine that Patsy is our waitress, and we go to that little cafe in Smithfields, and we give our order, and we want various things and drinks, and Patsy gets it all completely wrong. You can probably imagine that quite well. So she gets it all completely wrong. All our orders wrong. She forgets things. She gives the wrong things. She, the person, the table over there, we get their order. How would we react? How would we be like, oh, don't worry, Patsy. It's fine. Oh, we didn't want our drinks anyway. It doesn't matter. You know, we know Patsy. We love Patsy. It doesn't matter. But I want you to imagine the same scenario where the waiter or waitress isn't Patsy. In fact, you don't know who they are. You know nothing about them. How would you react if they did the same thing? Like, oh, come on. I can't believe this place. Oh, where's my... You forgot the... Oh, there's nowhere to get in a tip. So the reality is we treat people differently whether they're in our moral circle or outside our moral circle. In that scenario, there's no difference in how Patsy or the other waiter or waitress treated you or actually did their job, but we treat them differently because one's inside our moral circle and one isn't. So who is in our circle? And do we treat people differently? So we live in a nation, a society, which is increasingly becoming divisive. We have our ins and our outs, those in the circle, those not. It's fueled by the echo chamber of social media and the fear that I might be forced to act or think differently by those outside of my circle. And our moral circle will become a protective barrier that keeps threats at bay. But probably, 
for the majority of us, we don't even really think about our moral circle. We don't even realize it's there. It's something we don't think about. It's something far more subtle. We just carry on doing what we're doing, not realizing that we can sometimes be exclusive and create barriers just by doing what we're doing. I want to show you a church example of this. Okay, Evangelical Alliance uh, did some research a few years ago, uh, and they wanted to find out how many people in churches had university degrees. They found that 81% of people in British evangelical churches, like this one, have a university degree. I won't ask you to put your hands up. I'm not going to do a poll now. 81%, that is the vast majority of people in our churches have a degree, compared to 27% of the UK population as a whole. There's a big, big difference there. In fact, the um, Talk Jesus, uh, YouGov, sorry, and CVM, Christian Vision for Men, which we're part of, pointed this out. The least likely group to attend church are single working class males. Probably the group that's got the least number of degrees to their name. Please. Without even thinking about it, churches have become a circle that excludes some people and welcomes others. Without us even, we're not being intentional about it, it's just the way we are. And I find it interesting that single working class males, that describes Jesus. Yet it's the Jesus like people who we are inadvertently. Um, excluding. I remember, I'm going to read a bit from a book and I'll talk about the experience I had myself. This is from a book called Invisible Divides by Natalie William and Paul Brown. It's a British, uh, two working class people have written about the invisible divides that we have in the churches. He said, since the global final, uh, financial crash of 2008, many of our churches have really stepped up in terms of social, social action projects that reach out to people facing poverty or injustice. In some churches, we have seen some of the people who come to our projects also come to faith in Jesus. But often we then struggle to help them find true belonging and community in the church. Specific people come to mind who have encountered Jesus, started to read the Bible excitedly, and got baptized with joy, but soon found that their way of thinking don't quite fit with those around them. And the gap between them and their new friends is just too large. Not spiritually, but in every other way. It can feel so overwhelming that it seems insurmountable. So they often leave feeling that Christianity isn't for them. When in reality, it might have simply been that middle-class church wasn't a good fit. It's common to see people from poorer backgrounds, people like me, says the author, saved and baptized, but not added. And I had this experience in my previous church uh, in Luton. We were on a very deprived area. And there's one particular guy who um, is your stereotypical working glass male. Um, at the time, he'd um, got himself sacked from his job because he'd punched his boss. Never a good thing uh, to do. So I started to spend time with him, going out for bike rides. And he became a, a Christian. We baptized him, but he could not connect with church. And actually a huge barrier before he became baptized from becoming a follower of Jesus was he couldn't read. As far as he was concerned, you've got to be able to read to be a follower of Jesus. As a church, we had unintentionally excluded him without, without even trying, just because of who he was 
and what his needs were. You see, this is a problem. Because Jesus wasn't like that, and Jesus wouldn't like that. See, we're going to look at a passage. We're carrying on uh, our story of uh, Jesus. And if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to John chapter 4. The words are going to appear uh, on the screen there, but you might want to grab a Bible uh, yourself and turn to it. It's in the latter part of our Bible. The New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the four stories about Jesus. And we're looking at John uh, chapter 4. And in my Bible, it says, Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. This is a, a passage we did in our church weekend last year. It was amazing talk. So if you go to our YouTube channel and search for uh, our church weekend talks, it's a really good talk on this. Um, but hopefully, if uh, you'll still get something out of this one. Um, John chapter 4, verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. So if you think back to our story, you can catch up by going on a YouTube channel or going on podcasts. John the Baptist was baptizing people in preparation for the coming Messiah. And then Jesus comes along and we're told that actually it wasn't Jesus, but his disciples were also baptizing people. So there's almost like a bit of a competition going on here. And the Pharisees had noticed they were kind of some influential religious people of the time. And um, it says, verse 3, so Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. It doesn't say why, but obviously this competition, something about that, Jesus wasn't too happy with. So he goes back to uh, his home in Galilee. And he says, now he had to go through Samaria. Now, I, I picked up on that verse, like, why did Jesus has to go through Samaria. Here is a map. So you, oh, the earth is a bit small. Um, have I got a pointy thing? I think I have, didn't I? Ooh, yes, there we go. Um, actually, I don't really need it because um, this is where Jesus was down in Jerusalem. Okay, this is where his ministry is happening, where he's going very, very well. And then this is Galilee at the top. Okay, and um, there's numerous ways of getting there, but really there's two main ways. The, the most direct way would be just to go straight up. Okay, um, and it goes through an area called Samaria. Uh, now, most Jews didn't want to go through Samaria. One reason was it was quite dangerous. They often get um, attacked along the route. Uh, and also, and I'll come back to this later uh, in a few moments, uh, the Jews did not like Samaria at all. They didn't like Samaritans one little bit. In fact, they couldn't even stop in a Samaritan town. So what they tended to do was take the longer route round through Perea and into, into Galilee. But Jesus, it says he had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go? Was it because he didn't like the idea of walking a bit further? Was time of the essence? See, I don't think that's the reason. I think Jesus had to go through Samaria because he had an important appointment to keep. Let's read on. So, Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So we've got this picture. Jesus sitting by a well. It's midday. It's going to be hot. His disciples have gone off to get some food, and this woman comes to the well 
a Samaritan woman, this is a Samaritan town, in Samaria to fetch some water. What is wrong with this picture? What is wrong with this picture? There are a few things. I've picked out three things that are wrong with this picture presented to us in John's Gospel. Number one, she was a woman. Number one, she was a woman. There is no way a respectable Jewish man would be seen in public talking to a woman. It's understandable, really. <laughs> but Jesus, particularly a rabbi in those days, oof, oh dear, I'm unpopular now. Particularly rabbis, a holy man who had a reputation to keep in those days to be talking to a woman, socializing with a woman, was highly unusual and highly suspect. There was a risk of impurity. There was a risk of being drawn into immorality. And there's also the gossip that would ensue. This would ruin, could ruin Jesus' reputation if anyone found out. So that's number one, the first thing that was wrong with the picture. Number two, she was a Samaritan. I've already mentioned that um, uh, Jews didn't like Samaritans at all. In fact, Jews hated them. See, when they, they'd been chucked out of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, they spent some time in Babylon, and they come back to uh, live once again in their, in their land, only to find that there was a group of people living right in the middle who claimed to, that they were the true descendants of Abraham, not the Jews. They called themselves Samaritans. They lived in Samaria, and they didn't really want these Jews coming back. And uh, there was constant trouble, bloodshed and murder, but most of the time there was just separation. Jews would, ha would have nothing to do with a Samaritan, especially no sharing or eating, uh, of eating or drinking implements. So if we carry on with our reading, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So that is a second thing that's wrong with this picture. And the third thing is the woman was of ill repute. She had a bad reputation. Now, how do we know that? Well, there's a few uh, reasons. One, she was collecting water at noon, the hot, hot time of the day. There's no way she would have collected water in noon. She would have collected it probably early in the morning. Also, she was alone. Normally, the woman, for for safety reasons, but also so they could have a good chat, the women all went together to collect the, the water. This woman was on her own at the wrong time of day collecting water. She was outside the moral circle of the village. For whatever reason, she was excluded. And we go on to find out that in verse 16, which is skipping a bit. It says, Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husbands. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. See, through life experience, whether it's bad luck or bad choices, this woman found herself ostracized, a social outcast. She was not the sort of woman you should spend time with. She was a bad influence. You don't want her around. You especially do not want her in your circle. You can imagine a bit of an awkward situation where Jesus points this out to the woman. So what would any of us do? Well, the woman changes the subject. 
Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. This Samaritan woman is once again pointing out that not just her, but a whole race, a whole group of people were excluded from the moral circle of the Jews. In fact, the Jews claimed that they couldn't worship God anywhere, but... In Jerusalem, there's no way they're going to have them in Jerusalem. So they are excluded from God's. But Jesus replies, woman, I believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Now, this really picks up on what Neil was saying last week. If you missed it, do catch up with it. There was a time coming when that that temple, that dwelling place of God for the Jewish people that was the center of their, their civilization was going to be destroyed. And what we see in Jesus is God stepping out of the confines of religion, of the temple, and being with ordinary people. In fact, the temple was a filtration, a big filtration process that kept Jesus separate from the world out there. First of all, if you were a Gentile, you could only get so far into the, into the temple. Gentiles were non-Jews. Then if you were a Jewish woman, you could only get so far into the temple. Then if you were a Jewish man, you could only get so far into the temple. Then if you were a Jewish priest, you could only get so far into the temple. It's only the chief priest, once a year, he could get to the Holy of Holies, the center of the temple where God dwelt. People were excluded from God's circle through the way the Jews worshipped. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation comes from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, not in temples built by man. They are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Last week, Neil spoke of us being temples, God dwelling in us. So the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. He knew what John the Baptist was announcing, the Messiah, the chosen one, was coming. And Jesus then declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. See, Jesus wasn't just some enlightened man who had expanded his moral circle despite societal norms and expectations. This was God himself showing love, mercy and acceptance firstly to a woman who in those days was a second class citizen secondly to a samaritan part of a hated race and thirdly to an outcast a woman with a bad reputation none of those things were a barrier for jesus and none of those things are a barrier for gods and maybe that's the message you need to hear today that regardless of who you are or what you have done regardless of your past your presence, or your future, you are not excluded by God. God's circle is expansive. God so loved the world 
that he sent his only son. Jesus died for all. There is no exclusions. And how did the woman react? Verse 28. And then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And if you read on, you found that many of those people in that Samaritan village believed and said, we know this man really is the saviour of what? The world. Not the Jews, not the Samaritans, not a select circle, the, the world. And in fact, when I mean, we're reading from John's Gospel here, and if you watched my, um, I did a video extra uh, a little while ago about one of the sermons, and I said that every Gospel, every story of Jesus, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, have a particular message they want to get across. And we're reading John's Gospel, but Luke's Gospel, a particular message Luke's Gospel has that Jesus loved and accepted the outcasts, the fringes of society. The people who get Jesus are the ones who are labelled sinners, the ones who were not Jews, the ones who were women. Basically saying, Jesus, there is no exclusions. Jesus loves and welcomes those that society does not. That's what's exciting and amazing about Jesus. The problem is that as followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, we need to be honest about our moral circle. And we need to ask ourselves, are we being as inclusive as Jesus was? Because that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be like Jesus. See, I want to do three very quick things that I want to, just as an application, something to think about. The first one is this. Are you willing to step out of your circle? See, like I said, having a moral circle is normal. It's inevitable. But as followers and imitators of Christ, the imperative is for us to be willing to step outside of that circle, to step into social groups or social situations that would be uncomfortable to us. There is a cost to following Jesus. There are numerous costs. And one of those costs is that willingness to step out of what everyone else deems as being perfectly normal. Now, that's easier said than done. I go to the gym occasionally. In fact, Chris, hi, Chris, he goes to the gym as well. And um, there's a group of guys there who, let's just say, they're outside my moral circle. They're, well, for a start, they're younger than me. Uh, secondly, they're covered in tattoos, and they swear a lot, and they've got big muscles. And I just look at them and just think, it so reminds me of school. You know, those popular kids, the sporty kids, I was never one of those. It may be surprised you to know, but I was the quiet academic one. I was not the popular one. It just reminds me of school. And I'm thinking, is Jesus challenging me to step out of my moral circle and talk to them? Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't say that. It, it was a rhetorical question. I'm going to feel challenged. Oh, no. I don't think they're there on Mondays. It's fine. Are we willing to step out and talk to people? This, this, this is the problem. This is why that report showed that we haven't got many single working class males in our churches because people like me, I don't want to go and talk to them. They're scary. They picked on me at school. Why would I want to go and talk to them now? And yet that's what we're being called to do because that's what Jesus would have done. It's what Jesus did. 
So are we willing to step outside your circle? Maybe not. Second thing, are we willing to listen? To list, are we willing to listen up? See, once you step out and you start talking to these people, if you start listening to them, suddenly you start to understand them. So we're very fearful of people we don't understand, who don't seem to think or act in the way that we do. And some of that can just be because they're just different. But other times they might, well, what if they start to affect the way I think? Have you ever had that? I don't want to change my mind. I like the way I am, and I like the things I think. And if I talk to someone who's different to me, they might change that. But we have to be prepared to listen and start. And by listening, we start to understand why they do their things that they do. See, arrogant people don't ask questions. Why not? Because they already know all the answers. Asking questions is a practice of humility. And that's what Jesus is asking us to do. And then lastly, as we come into land, are you willing to break down the barriers that stand between people and Jesus? See, as a church, we're part of something called the Further Faster Network. And the, church, the Further Faster Network is trying to equip and empower churches to break down barriers to prevent people who aren't used to church from accessing church. Okay, because there are churches are weird and we do weird things. We stand up and sing songs. They don't do that in many other places in society. And it's not about us being the same. That's something key. We're not trying to be the same as everyone else. We are different and we do do things differently. We want to make sure that if someone comes in through our doors and isn't used to church, maybe they go to a funeral and a wedding occasionally, but that's about it, that they are able to access what we do here, and ultimately access and meet Jesus. What is preventing from people from accessing you and accessing Jesus? What do we need to change and do differently? What do we need to give up? What do we need to sacrifice as a church, as a community, as an individual? See, I want you to imagine a world, a town, a community, a church, where people listen before judging, where people aren't treated differently because they are different, where we have a joy and vibrancy from, be, from not from being monocultural, but by being a church full of different people with different thoughts and ideas and cultures all coming together to worship Jesus. I feel privileged to be part of a church that is very much like that. But I also recognize with the church and also with myself, there is still work to be done. So we're a church where everyone's welcome. Lives are changing because Jesus is king. Let's be willing to step out, listen up, and break down any barriers that stops people from joining us. We're going to listen to some questions now and just use this time just to reflect. And ask God, what does he want to challenge you with this morning? Thanks. Some questions. Some questions. 
Who do you struggle to Who understand, do you struggle to understand or, connect with? or connect with? What is causing this? What is causing this? What is preventing you from stepping out of your circle? Are you willing to listen so that you might be changed or are you happy to stay the way you are? It was very good, actually. Really challenging, actually. It makes you think about yeah. what you do. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about um, before the sermon about the fact that Jesus is for everyone. Yes. And and that's just classic. But Ma Martin yeah. Um, yeah. showed that really well. Yeah. The woman at the well and all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't think I was quite ready for the challenge that came. No, it's after the end, So exactly. yeah, so it's it's it, it, it's great for Jesus to yeah. be. Um, there for everyone yeah. and then the challenge comes at the end about um what's Doing about it. us and us stepping out of our comfort circle um we got what, the first question um that was um that, that martin had was who do you struggle to understand or connect <laughs> with and what's causing that so thoughts i think i don't think it's i don't think you can say a particular group of people or no. anything i think no. i like to think that i can talk to them but you almost need to be in a safe environment to do that where people meet so actually it's easy to talk to people in church yeah. who have come from different places yeah but wouldn't necessarily go and chat to them if, if you see them in the supermarket yeah for instance so i think that the situation is yeah quite different yeah because your work you meet i meet all sorts of people at work actually which which is great i think i'm protected by a uniform as well so actually again I'm there for a particular reason and they're there for, for a particular reason yeah. that I can help with. Yeah. But it, it's actually going and getting alongside yeah. Yeah. people. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the same. I used to, I'm retired now, but I used to work for a bank. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and everybody's got a bank account and therefore yeah. working for a bank, you used to meet all sorts of people. And it's the same thing is that, you know, whilst at work, not sure I had a difficulty particularly talking no. to any one people group. Yeah. But then you come out of work and you take off the uniform yeah. or the suit or yeah. you know, whatever. And I find myself, we've got the second question is, um, um, so what then prevents us stepping out of our circle? And and we can't say probably because we don't know how to speak to these people because we do. Because we do. <laughs> We've proved it at work, but exactly. we're quite happy to speak exactly. to the employed, the unemployed, the old, the young, the ill, yeah. you know, the, the well, yeah. or, or whatever it is. But then I, I certainly, I don't know about you, but I certainly struggle perhaps around um, that sort of sharing my faith and mm. people and talking about Jesus. It doesn't naturally come um and to I, me i think it's if our lives are so different from theirs and it, it's trying to get an understanding of what yeah. what lives yeah. are like actually yeah. so it's and i think it's how how prepared are you to go deeper into learning about them yeah 
you know that is absolutely right most people who've um um heard me here before probably know i play golf by now because we <laughs> often comes up in conversation and um <laughs> and the game of golf often takes three and a half hours right. and, and i play with different people all yeah. the time and and so there's plenty of opportunity there to talk to people about their yeah. lives and what's yeah. important to me and look to them but so often we stick with football exactly it's or holidays or cars or or yeah. whatever it is yeah. and um I guess the, the, from today that the, the challenge is um, about sharing Jesus, not in a ram it down your throat way, yeah. but just um, you know the difference it makes oh, to us and and the yeah. difference it can make to their life. Yeah. And um, so, um, if 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 you don't know Jesus, the message today is um, Jesus is for all. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you are, what you are. Um, but Jesus is 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 for you, and and I guess the challenge is if you do know Jesus, you do have that relationship with Him. It's that connection. Is, like, um, it's like Martin said right at the start, being able to connect with with the church as well, isn't it? Yeah. Which is a challenge yeah. for us. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I'll leave you those thoughts. If you if you've got any thoughts, if you've got any questions, then please do contact the church. Um, got questions at holybaptist.org.uk with just a thought or a comment or if you've got a question then please do contact us um someone um will come back to you and we'd love um to hear from you then i guess um the other thing to say is just about what about you um what's your thoughts having heard mm -hmm. this is it something that you need to do maybe it's somebody you do know who isn't particularly like you so going back to those double acts or you know or your friendships or whatever and maybe there's somebody that you know who is outside your moral circle yeah. um then maybe this week you'll <coughs> make a, a, a particular effort to go and speak to them mm. that's just that one step because every journey starts with um a step so um yeah believe you those thoughts That was today's episode of Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We hope it's prompted you to want to follow Jesus, hopefully a lot, but even just a little bit more closely. If you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, you can email us, gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. It would really make our day. If you want to hear more from us, just a reminder, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the Holy Baptist Church app from the Apple App Store or Google Play to hear it as well. Simply search Holy Baptist Church. Thank you again for listening to Holy Baptist Church podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.